Debbie George Addis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about elections and the long march back to America. And Sidney Powell joins me in studio. And after we're done, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. America Can We Talk is sponsored by GC Works, a Dallas-based company performing advanced technology research in the oil and gas industry. Hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Well, we had Election Day yesterday, and of course, the nation is really watching either in celebration or despondency over the outcome of the gubernatorial election in Virginia. You actually had, I believe that Democrat McAuliffe has actually conceded at this point, and you had a really great and sound victory for the Republican candidate, Glenn Yonkin. In addition to just uh, Mr. Yonkin, who uh, Republican governor of Virginia is big, big, big news. Uh, there were other great victories in Virginia, really, uh, as one unhappy newscaster said, it was a bloodbath. Basically, the idea that in Virginia, the people turned out overwhelmingly for the Republicans, uh, and they won, in fact, one of the really wonderful guests we've had on our show uh, in the past, Winsome Sears, uh, won, and she is, um, Glenn Yonkin got the gubernatorial thing, uh, Winsome Sears is the first, Virginia's first black and female lieutenant governor, an amazing, lovely person. Also, she happens to be black, Republican, and a former military person, so this is someone who's just uh, you know, a great, great representative of the party. Uh, Virginia's first Hispanic Attorney General, a Republican one, uh, Jason Meares. Um, and in New Jersey, New Jersey, uh, at least that's the last time I checked the news before I came to do the show today, uh, they still were not going to call it. They had uh, an incumbent Democrat governor who everyone thought would just, you know, kind of sail into victory. And they had a Republican challenger and who, who had a very, very slim lead uh, as the votes continue to be counted. So I want to first say those happy things to celebrate. Other great things happen in Minnesota, which a state we talk about a lot in this show because I'm very fond of Minnesota, but they actually had the voters in Minneapolis turn down the idea of transitioning from a police department to a happy, you know, kumbaya, let's hold hands, idiotic idea of getting rid of the police. And basically the voters said that you must be crazy. We, know we want police, we're in favor of police. So things like that around the country went down. Voters just saying in a crime wave, we're gonna defund the police, I don't think so. So these were all good things. And so I am I'm saying I'm celebrating and now I wanna make my however points. However, we did not get to where we are in America in 2020 or in 2021 because of just a few events, even just a few events during Barack Obama's presidency, a few events during the Trump years, we got to where we are in America. We have a person occupying the White House who has abandoned the southern border, embarrassed America to the world uh, in Afghanistan, emboldening our Chinese opposition, our, our Chinese enemies, and on top of that, really putting in power a jihadist organization happens to be the government now of Afghanistan, the Taliban, we have a guy who's proposing astronomical spending that is, is, is no sane person would ever support. 
We have a God who has, in addition to abandoning the southern border, he's turned the U.S. military into a petri dish experiment uh, center, talking about how much white supremacy can we tolerate and can we please have everybody sit around and complain about if somebody else hurt their feelings, destroying the American military. We didn't get here overnight. There's an expression the Marxists use, the long march through the institutions, the long march through the institutions. We have had Marxists, socialists, communists, whatever you want to call them, for the last hundred years, marching through America's institutions, turning America further and further left, often incremen incrementally, often not noticed, whether it's from the colleges and universities, teaching young people anti-American ideas, having kids emerge from college, thinking they're enlightened because they hate America and its founding and they really, really love socialism. You've had that long march of the, through the institutions occur throughout the federal government. We have a Department of Justice and a, an FBI that is obviously no longer tethered to the rule of law. They're tethered to furthering the leftist agenda. We watch the media in our country, another institution through which the left marched for 100 years, be unable to provide legitimate coverage of issue after issue, spending their time trying to destroy President Trump. Uh, ignoring the violence in the streets of America or excusing the violence in the streets of America, yet trying to turn January 6th into the in insurrection, an absurd, absurd effort. And I'm saying all this to say this. It can be very exciting to have a day like yesterday because those people in Virginia didn't just win because of critical race theory as an issue in Virginia, which it was. They didn't just win because the Democrat candidate continued to defend critical race theory, or on the other hand, saying it didn't exist in the schools. They didn't just win because of issues in Virginia or because of who they were as candidates. They won because the larger leftist agenda is now more visible to more Americans than it has been in a long time. Just as first, whatever we're in, nine months, 10 months of the Biden administration, America is waking up and recognizing, wow, this is what the left really wants. No excuse, no rational excuse offered for abandoning the southern border. An utter, utter uh, abandoning of America, of American sovereignty, the idea of citizenship, the entire identity of a country depends on having a physical border. The American people are watching the crazy of the abandoning the border, the weakening of the American military, the massive, outrageous, ridiculous spending, just at constantly new ideas, and why don't we give everyone a free bicycle while we're at it? We've had the vaccine mandates, the mask mandates. The more enlightened you are as an American, the more you recognize these are unnecessary, unhealthy, and are signs of tyranny. You have critical race theory and racial division plastered across our society, and the American people are waking up and recognizing, actually, we don't want this agenda. The rebuke of the Democrat Party in Virginia was wonderful, but the rebuke was larger than just, you know, getting rid of Democrats who, who uh, impose critical race theory in public schools. It was a rejection of what the Biden team is doing to America, and it goes back to my point I make so often. America is not a 50-50 country. America is not a country where half the people sure would love to be socialists. America is something like 65-35, 70-30. The vast majority of Americans are outraged by what the left is doing to our country. This was their first chance to express it since 
he who took office in January uh, took over our country and every single policy area imaginable in under the Biden administration is is unacceptable to the American people. So this is where we are. But we can't just celebrate because we had those victories in November. This long march to the institutions, 100 years of destroying America, is going to take some time, some relentless spirit of the American people, determination to work in whatever arena you are in to correct this hideous uh, agenda coming out of the American left. My term for it is always Marxism, because I think that's what it is. But when you have, you, whether you are fighting in the public schools, you're trying to defend the military, you're trying to insist on the border being secure, you're trying to fight irrational spending and taxes, whatever it is, it is going to take this majority of Americans who actually want America of the founding. It's going to take those people continuing the fight to restore America. We're going to take America back. It doesn't have to take 100 years as it has taken for the left to destroy America or be on the edge of destroying America, but it doesn't, it takes relentlessness. It takes commitment to whatever way, whatever avenue you use to fight. It takes commitment to stay in the fight. This is just a warming, this is one battle in the big giant agenda to bring America back, to preserve America. And we haven't even gotten yet to talking about what the left will do should they ever get the Green New Deal through one of their crazy spending bills. If you think so far what you're watching is tyranny and oppression and absurdity, just wait and see. We'll be talking about the Green New Deal, I think, next week, about what's actually in the Green New Deal. You will never see a free America again. You will never see a free America again if that agenda gets through Congress. So it's great. I want to congratulate the winners. I'm happy for them. I hope we have more elections like this. But do, it's now is not time to say, whew, we won, all done. It's a time to recognize this is just the first battle after the American people have been awakened by Washington Biden administration. It's a long march through the institutions to bring America back. But we can do that because the majority of Americans want America the free, America the great, America of the founding. That's what they want. We need to stay in that fight until we restore America. And that, my very fine friends, is today's first five. So I mentioned before the start of the show, at the start, we have Sydney Powell in studio. And I, I was telling her um, before we uh, got started, today's actually the one-year anniversary of the... Um, the Biden uh, of the election of 2020, the one-year anniversary of the actual election day. That's kind of significant. Uh, and Sydney has joined me on the show numerous times. I was trying to look back very quickly before I left home. Interesting, I'll just tell you, back when she, she wrote a book actually about the um, Department of Justice and, and injustices that occurred then in the Department of Justice, uh, and this was, was called License to Lie and had to do with the Enron deal and, and, and issues like that. So we had that interview. And then I also happened to do a very lengthy interview of her during the time the Trump-Russia collusion hoax was spreading all over the country. And we talked a lot about that. And at that meeting, we were talking about the targeting of, Lieutenant, of um, Michael Flynn. And then obviously just a few weeks later, actually only like a week later, she announced she was going to be representing him and did bring about, as you likely know, did bring about the dismissal of all charges against him um, with an enormous battle with the Department of Justice. Uh, and moving forward, Sidney Powell has been enormously engaged in the battle to fight about, to stand up for, to challenge 
the election of 2020. And so that's mostly what we'll talk about today is where we are in the effort to expose the truth about election 2020. So Sydney Powell, welcome to the show. Thank you, Debbie. It's nice to be with you. Great to see you. Great to have you here. So, um, you know, I do, I asked uh, Mr. Becker, my producer, I want to make sure we have up all the ways people can find Sydney uh, because we have, uh, I, I sent him uh, her Telegram account, uh, which is, I've been telling you people, Telegram is a place to be, her Telegram account. Um, and um, can we get that little runner up? I don't know if we can. Anyway, uh, we have, uh, okay, we don't have it up. Anyway, she has sydneypowell.com. She has defendingtherepublic.org. She has been in the fight uh, about election in 2020, the election fraud in 2020. So I just want to start after welcome you to say, so we're a year later, are you still today convinced that the election of 2020 was fraudulent and that Donald Trump still really won? Oh, I'm more convinced than ever. All we do is get more information and evidence of the fraud every day that we continue digging. It's been really overwhelming. I mean, we had enough back within six weeks of the election that would put more than uh, any number of people in prison had anybody pursued it in law enforcement. And now it's just more and more and more. Okay, I love hearing that. And, and I know there are probably some things you can't describe, but what you can, are you talking about proof that is that concerns electronic manipulation of the voting machines? Is that is that the significant kind of proof you have? Or Yes, yes. We are still looking at the massive capability of the voting machines of all makes and models to be hacked and or to be programmed with an algorithm to fraudulently manipulate the election and create a predetermined outcome. And I've, you mentioned you'd had Dr. Frank on your show. He has done amazing work. He has gone and deciphered the special key, the algorithm that was programmed in for each state to calculate the votes needed to create the predetermined outcome. And it's different by state but it matches across the state, across the precincts, as I understand it. Yeah, I will tell you, and I was mentioning before we came on, Dr. Douglas Frank, you know, he's a kind of mathematical genius guy. In fact, he founded a school, a private school, for like genius kids, and he teaches them math. I wouldn't, I mean, anyway, we won't go there. It wouldn't be my thing. But among the things, what's been so interesting, hearing him make his presentations, speak at my summit, be in my show, is the people who are mathematically minded, they listen to him and he's basically saying, look, I can take data about one county in any state, one county, and he assesses the algorithm. And because of what I, and, and he looks at data from the census and so he's getting proper breakdown of the ages uh, of, of voting eligible, people eligible to vote. And he can look at data from one county and predict the outcome in every other county in the state. And, and when you finally grasp what he's saying, it's irrefutable. Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, the bottom line is an election, a free and fair election is going to be random. It's going to yeah. be, it's going to produce random numbers, random times, and random outcomes. When you can calculate what it's going to be, then that means an algorithm was put into place to predetermine the outcome of the election because you shouldn't be able to do that. Yeah, and actually, that is, it's amazing. I was going to mention, um, in fact, my husband was sharing with me for people who aren't very mathematical, there was someone who is a mathematical type who was saying to understand algorithms, and, and because basically what Doug, Douglas Frank is saying is, you know, they prove that there is electronic manipulation of the final tally. 
you get a final tally and says, you know, X number of voted for this person, X number of voted for this person. He's saying the tally themselves, the numbers you see, have been manipulated to get to the outcome. So one person was making the point, it's like, for the average person, it's like if you know you have to drive from here to Topeka, Kansas, and you, you, you assess the mileage, and you realize, okay, to get to Topeka, Kansas by um, you know, this time, uh, I have to set the speed of my car at this, as long as I can go, and so you set your speed at that. But then once you run into traffic or, or construction and then it slows down, you have to adjust because you still got to get to that outcome of getting to Topeka on time, so you're going to adjust your speed. And she's saying that's what they do with the algorithms. They watch on election night and realize, wow, um, sounds like looks like Trump is winning, so we have to... Okay, so you've seen, and the kind of work you've been doing, you've seen presentations by Dr. Douglas Frank and others. Is that accurate also who are? Oh, yes. We saw four or five different groups of data analysts and different mathematicians come and achieve the same answer by different mathematical means and processes. Oh. And they did it all independently. Okay. Yeah, there were multiple groups that just sprung up organically because like you said, mathematicians can see it happen. I know people that figured out what the essential overall algorithm was the morning after, by the morning after the election. And it was so obvious because we had the unprecedented event of vote counting being stopped in multiple places across the country almost simultaneously. Yep. <clears throat> people being lied to about the reason for it being stopped. People actually saw on the TV screen hundreds of thousands of votes, the counter rolling backwards unprecedented events that told us that there was a massive fraud going on. And frankly, I think there's video of Hillary Clinton even predicting something like that, that, you know, it's going to be so bad, they'll probably interfere with the election by stopping the vote count election night. They knew it all ahead of time. They planned it ahead of time. This was at least a three-year plan, if not longer, to take over the election. And we found evidence going back to the year 2000 of algorithms being written to swing the vote. We have a witness testifying in front of Congress on videotape in 2004 in front of the House Judiciary Committee sitting in Ohio. His name is uh, Clint Curtis. He's under oath <clears throat> and he explains that he was hired in 2000 by the Republican Speaker of the House in Florida to write an algorithm to make sure Bush won Southern Florida. And, okay, he, and he says he did it and he wrote it or could write it in such a way that it would even eat itself and would not show in the machine when you went to look afterwards. You mean the, um, the uh, you say eat itself, you, you mean the programming would include in itself, once it done its job, it just dissolves itself. Yep, he said it only takes 100 lines of code to do it. He could flip any election, 51-49, that's what they wanted him to do. And he, he wrote the algorithm for money when he was employed by a Chinese company in South Florida that also was selling secrets to China. Okay, so this Clint Curtis has actually given this testimony <coughs> in Congress. When was that roughly? It was in 2004 and none other than Jerry Nadler and Maxine Waters were asking him questions and very interested in it. So one of the stunning things I've realized is, and I've, I've found other evidence to this effect also, they've all known, they've all known, all the leaders in government and uh, whether it's Congress or the Senate or the White House, 
or politicians in the states have known about this capability for a long time. Of both parties. Of both parties. Whoever gets control of the machine buys the vote. I don't know what the mechanism is for securing it for oneself, whether it's by putting in certain machines at a certain contract price, or I, I don't know what that is. Well, there was talk about the idea of people in positions of power up for re-election saying, look, long as I know I get re-elected, if you're guaranteeing me that, I don't really care what you do. I mean, I, I'll stay out of it and I won't say a word. And I, I could imagine that occurring. And I have heard many people saying that, I mean, it's not just the Democrats. I know both a lot of Republicans want to say, oh, the Democrats, well, the Democrats did steal 2020, but the capacity to steal through electronic manipulation of voter tabulation software, what, people are well aware of it. Okay, now I want to get into what you uh, uncovered, and it was only a few weeks ago, which you're talking about a patent that you had uncovered or, or through, I guess, a FOIA request that relates to software and how that software, uh, it was in 2003 or so. And I just want you to take your time and tell that story, what you uncovered. Well, a, a, a very diligent remote member of our team found online a patent that was obtained by the Department of Defense along with a private company to conduct the real-time monitoring of an election, be able to insert false voters in the database, and another algorithm funded by the Department of the Army, now the patent held by a, a particular educational institute in New Jersey, if I remember correctly, that can predetermine the outcome of an election, weight the votes however they want to weight them, and achieve the result they want to achieve. So there are patents for both processes that have been in existence since, uh, and the research started on it in early 2000. Okay, so to be really clear, the patents are to allow people to manipulate, uh, it, you, you said real-time monitoring, so they're going along on election night and realizing, oh my gosh, so-and-so's way ahead, real-time monitoring, allows them to insert false votes, is that what you said? False voters, yep, they can create false voters, put them in the database, and you don't realize they're even there. And I think a lot of that happened in this election. If you combine those factors with what Dr. Frank has found and other people have found from different perspectives, they went along and they inflated the voter database in virtually every state and then they ran the algorithm to achieve the result they wanted. And the reason they had to stop counting in multiple states that night was because Trump voters turned out in such huge numbers that they broke the algorithm. And they had to basically stop it to adjust the algorithm to yes. get themselves enough votes. I have had Dr. Douglas Frank, as, as I mentioned to you several times in the show and at my summit, saying that the uh, voter rolls are filled with people who don't exist and there, he said, I think it's like a, he, he's analogy like a bank account. They're a called savings. ghost voters. Yeah, yes. ghost voters. You bring them in when you need them. So this is though, back to what you're saying, this is a patent you're saying the Department of Defense yes. got? Yes. What, 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 what good reason would they have to need that? I think the intelligence community is highly involved in whatever's been going on, whether it's rogue elements or official elements, I don't know. But they have messed not only in other elections, but it looks like to me they have now tampered with the election in this country and had a substantial role in that, or certainly could have stopped it, and they didn't.
aware of it. Yeah. yeah. So intelligence agencies, this goes back to 2003. The patent was actually- It goes back to 2000. 2000. So for 20 years, there have been patents available, patents- And technology. And technology for people to do these kind of things. Yes. And, and our own government knows about it. Yes. There's also a Diebold whistleblower that came forward in 2005, I think, that we dug and dug and found uh, reports of that said everyone in Diebold knew the heads okay. of Diebold. Diebold, again, is the manufacturer of the, the hard equipment? One of the manufacturers of the voting systems way back. I okay. don't think they exist now. In fact, I think Dominion bought them. Oh. <laughs> yes. Uh, but Diebold uh, had... Uh, all kinds of issues and this whistleblower said that the government officials knew and the leads the head people in Diebold knew and nobody did anything about it that instead they instilled a culture of fear and everybody can find these articles and all this information on our website at defendingtherepublic.org yeah I want to mention several times defendingtherepublic.org is your website and sydneypowell.com and your Telegram channel is just Sydney Powell. Yes, and sign up for our newsletters. Please sign up for our newsletters. Make sure you get them. We send them out at least three times a week, sometimes more if things are really hopping. And we include scads of information there, not just on the election issues, but on COVID. We've now filed suit against the Department of Defense and all branches of the military on behalf of our military members that do not want the vaccine for yep. various reasons and should not have to take it for various reasons. There was a hearing on that in court early this morning in Florida oh. on the temporary restraining order. We don't have the results on that yet, but I'm, I'm very concerned for our service members who are being forced to take this. You know, the, the death rate now uh, just reported on the CDC website is over 17,000 deaths. Yep. That's only 1% of what's reported in this country at best. And, oh, yeah. the, and the other adverse events are mm -hmm. over a half million in any prior, quote, vaccine, end quote, when there was a problem in more than 25 or 50 deaths, they took it off the market. Right. Instead, here, they're continuing literally to kill people. Oh, it's the most amazing. I do want to get into COVID. I'll go back to this whole thing about the patents. So the Department of Defense has them. And then all the players intermingled in this mess. You had Smartmatic, you had Dominion, you had Diebold. And you mentioned I, in one interview I saw you were talking about how some of the players involved on Dominion and maybe Smartmatic ended up in the Biden administration or at least on a transition team. Can you talk about that? Uh, yes. One of the things we did was trace the intellectual property back. I don't know if you know this, but Dominion has sued me for, I think, $1.3 billion in D.C. and Smartmatic has sued me and others in New York for $2.7 billion dollars and Eric Coomer has sued me in Denver for I don't even know how much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's all for defamation, for saying that all this stuff was possible and could very well have happened and yeah. likely did happen. So uh, that has caused me to just dig more, not stop digging. It kind of had the adverse effect of what they wanted it to have, I believe. But we keep finding more and more evidence of what they did. So we looked at the patents and the intellectual property for all of these things not only was, was held by the government, but then there's a series of Dominion patents that we've posted on our website too, so people can go look at them themselves and see they're, they're pretty readable. I mean, there's some technical language, but they're generally readable. You know, the whole thing about, oh, they're not connected to the internet? The patent shows internet connection, internet connection, internet connection. Yeah, that was actually one of the initial uh, kind of 
intended to dismiss the entire argument. We're not even connected to the internet. It's a bald-faced lie. Yeah, right. And, and when it was shown to be a lie, this is what's so amazing about our society, shown to be a lie, it seemed to have no consequence. I mean, it wasn't like they were embarrassed. Actually, okay, we lied about that. They just, no answer. Yeah, no problem. Yep, we're done. No okay. problem. So, so, I, so it goes back to Smartmatic was started in the year 2000 as a Venezuelan company and then opened operations in the United States. But we have testimony, we have an affidavit from a Venezuelan who was at Hugo Chavez's right hand throughout the whole process of them creating this system to run elections in Venezuela for him to make sure he won. And that system has migrated through various, and the, and the patents trace through various companies, but the patents have all been owned by the same people. Mr. Polis of Dominion, uh, another Dominion employee, Eric Coomer with Dominion, the key voting machine patents have been held by the same people through the companies, whether it be Smartmatic, which owned Sequoia at the time, uh, that's another voting machine company that morphed into Dominion. So Smartmatic owns Sequoia, and then uh, it eventually became Dominion. And Dominion bought Diebold, and uh, you know, it's just one big incestuous, incestuous. group. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So whatever they call the company, they can say, oh, well, that wasn't so-and-so, that was such-and-such. Well, they just changed the names of the company. But the intellectual property traces through the same people that have been at the core of all of it. Okay, and there were some people with one of this incestuous family who ended up being in some roles in the Biden administration, or the Biden transition team or yeah, something. Yeah, Peter Neffinger, who's on the board of Smartmatic, which they say does very little business in the U.S., only has, I think, one county in California maybe is run by Smartmatic. Well, Peter Neffinger, who was on the board of Smartmatic, was on the Biden transition team. And other Smartmatic and Dominion people have been on the Election Assistance Commission, which oversees the whole voting. Oh, so they oversee the whole thing. Exactly. EAS. Exactly. Yes. EAC. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. You so also it's and Lord Mollick Brown, who is George Soros's right-hand man, is on the board of the new Smartmatic entity out of London called SGO, and officed across the uh, hallway from Dominion in Toronto, Canada, in the same building with the Tides Foundation and Dominion. They've now moved since I started talking about that on television. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so this uh, guy, I mean, the Soros factor is kind of the factor in every issue, it seems like. So yes. Ma this Malik Brown guy, what's his first name? Uh, uh, Lord, the, just Lord, Lord Malik Okay, Lord Malik Brown. Yeah. He actually is a Soros right-hand guy. Yes. And he's on the board of Smartmatic. He's on the board of SGO now, they call it. Oh, SGO. Yep. And, and was uh, head of the Tides Foundation, officing in the same building across the hall, I think, with Dominion in Canada. You know what's amazing, Sydney? You have to say, there are so many allegations and accusations made against the Trump team, made against conservatives, and any little you know, connection. Well, they were, t one time they were both at a Christmas party together, right. seems to make headlines. These are incestuous, undeniable, right. real, uh, and, and I mean, Lord Malik Brown is not like the janitor at Soros Foundation, and he's, and yet it's just, you get the entire, well, okay, I mean, what, what, right. so what's your so point what? kind of answer? So yeah, what's your point? So, so, what? so what? Yeah. Uh, so okay, the point yeah. is, they are obviously interrelated, all working together, and this was, in fact, a massive conspiracy to steal the election of 2020. 
And actually, prior to that, all this patents haven't been available. We don't know the accurate outcome of elections really since the time this all began. Exactly. Is that fair? Exactly. Okay. We can't. We can't say that any person in office right now was actually duly elected if they were elected by a machine that counted votes by computer or issued paper ballots from a computer or had a computer involved at all. So the answer is to challenge this, it's just paper ballots. We've got to rise up and demand from every county official, state official, whoever is in charge in each state of the voting machine choices that we abandon the machines. It's much less expensive to just print serialized paper ballots on some kind of paper that makes them authentic because that's another thing they did was duplicate ballots out right. the wazoo and, and have people count them at the precinct level. I was gonna say you know, the counting thing, you can have it on camera. Yeah. You can have a Democrat and Republican or 10 Democrats and 10 Republicans, everyone watching. And because the person's name isn't on the ballot, you can have a camera saying, okay, Blue pile, red pile, blue pile, red pile. You can do that and there's just, I mean, and I think this is why there's such hysteria out of the left when you say paper ballots, oh my gosh, that's like Stone Age. It's, it's actually very reliable. And it's the other, other thing far is, more reliable. It's the only reliable way. And the other similar thing is voter ID. I mean, the one thing that sends leftists off even more than paper ballots is the idea of voter ID. Like you actually have to have a legitimate ID that shows you are a citizen and you're eligible to vote. And that, I mean, that is the source of much angst out of the left as election integrity bills are passed throughout the country. And is, it should be a no-brainer. Oh, yeah, well, okay. We've been down this path many times. You also have on your website um, this, um, I, I liked how you did it. There's been a film, Kill Chain. Yes. Yeah, a film, Kill Chain. And honestly, it's a little long to watch. It's a little tedious. Actually, if you, I watched it again the other night and was blown away yet again. It's but you 90 broke it minutes. up on your website into segments. Yeah, we broke it up into segments so it's a little more digestible. But I would encourage everybody, I mean, if you care about the rule of law in this country at all, sit down, take 90 minutes and watch the HBO documentary, Kill Chain, A Cyber War on Democracy, that was put out by the Democrats in 2020. I know, Before this the most, election. Most amazing thing, yeah. Uh, Amy Klobuchar is in there. I mean, Democrats who are, they're basically saying, obviously, you know, the vulnerability of the electronic voting machines is, is, is patently obvious. And, and so now we try to say, yeah, look, it's patently obvious, but, but I like that how you yeah. broke it up. It's, and none of them, surprisingly, none of them got sued for defamation. That's another good point. Yeah. Okay, so I do want to ask you something about that. So you've been sued, whatever you're just saying, 2.3 billion, whatever the numbers are. Why don't you just stop talking about this? That would be the exact wrong thing to do, and that's not what I'm motivated to do, particularly when somebody essentially calls me a liar, because I know they did what we said they did and have the capability to do it, and it was perfectly reasonable. We had 970 pages of affidavits and evidence that we attached to our lawsuits. They were very well grounded in fact and in law, and like I said, sit down and watch the movie Kill Chain and it will show you that everything we said in our lawsuits is not only highly likely, it's probably happened. Okay, so you have, you have lawsuits. I was gonna talk about that because a lot of people are saying, well, look, you know, uh, you guys have been griping. It's been a year now, you've been griping and we don't have any court agreeing with you. And we have, I believe the Mike Lindell team's been talking about they're gonna have some litigation 
they were originally saying before Thanksgiving. Now I think they're kind of wobbling on that. But is there, what, what is the plan to get all of the evidence this fraud before a court and make them look at it? Well, we've, we filed the lawsuits and not a single court looked at the evidence. No witnesses were heard. Generally, when you file a lawsuit, you don't even have affidavits attached to it. You file a complaint based right. on information and belief of what you think the facts are, and then you get discovery, and you have different motion hearings and things like that, and, and you get to actually uncover the facts and have a trial. We got none of that. We got dismissed on democratic talking points of technical legal issues, like they said we didn't have standing the, the right as being injured ourselves to bring the cases. We represented electors named in the Constitution. We had standing. Well, this is a, the frustrating thing, and it kind of segues into something else I want to talk about, which is our current state of affairs, the Department of Justice and the FBI. If, you know, in America, we, we pride ourselves on, we have the rule of law, and it is one of the beautiful things about our founding. I, I'm endlessly talking about America's founding, the extraordinary ideas behind it. One is, you know, rule of law. Same, all rules, all, same law applies to everyone. And yet you have this case, these cases where if there, it wasn't like you just made an allegation off the top of your head, data, proof, plaintiffs. I mean, to me, it signifies we have lost the, uh, rule of law, the sense of integrity in America's justice system. And if you can't get the DOJ to care and you can't get the FBI to investigate, what is the citizen supposed to do? Yeah, well, that's why we are continuing to dig into the evidence. And the fact that Dominion was stupid enough to sue me for <laughs> defamation <laughs> just gave me a whole new opportunity to get the evidence. Because you get discovery from them. I mean, to make Exactly, we're going to get discovery, and we filed a countersuit against Dominion for ab abuse of process by all their litigation tactics here because they in engaged in this litigation to shut down any conversation or discussion Lawfare. and to threaten people with a $1.3 billion lawsuit if they continued to talk about it. And they used me as an example of, look what we did to Sidney Powell. They even delivered to one guy. The, I mean, the stack of stuff they filed against me is like that in the initial filing, literally. It came in a, a huge box. And, and they delivered all that to somebody, I think, in Austin when they threatened him with being sued also. And they did that to, they threatened to sue over 150 people that we know of already, including an 86-year-old man who just retweeted something somebody else said. I mean, they, and, and they even threatened to sue people who had not said or done anything. They just engaged in this massive campaign of lawfare. Uh, bar grievances have been filed against me. Uh, governors of Wisconsin and Michigan are trying to get sanctions against me in federal court. Um, it's just, it's been a barrage, an assault, which just tells me I am slap dab over the target and they are terrified. Right, slap dab, okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know you're over the target, you're taking fire. Well, I will say for many Americans, and I'll tell you, even uh, Republicans who maybe originally liked the idea that maybe 2020 was stolen, maybe Trump really won, maybe Biden didn't win after all, more and more of the establishment Republicans, and even some <clears throat> you might say were conservatives, they kind of backed off the issue. And I find it so uh, cowardly 
and uh, and and frustrating and inexplicable. I mean, it's not like they got away with stealing two hundred dollars out of somebody's wallet. They stole an election. This is like stealing America. They did steal America. They stole the greatest country on the face of the earth with intent to destroy it. George Soros' sole goal in the rest of his life is to destroy the United States of America, to see it broken to pieces. That's all he wants. And he's willing to put his billions and billions and billions behind it. That's what he's been doing. Other people have been doing it with him. You know, we've got the major media companies now singing from the propaganda song sheet of the communists and shutting down any discourse to the contrary. I mean, the very fact that YouTube and Twitter could take any of us down, I find absolutely appalling. It is appalling, and you can't get anyone in elected, you can't get a majority of people in elected office to stand up and, and stop them. I mean, they just are going to let it go. Google and those companies are contributing millions to, to them. They're, they're funding all of it. Like the pharmaceuticals and COVID. You can't get them to do anything. Right. Okay, go ahead. So we've got, we've got big pharma issues. The COVID pandemic, the border crisis, the election fraud is all interrelated. It is all part of their plan to destroy the middle class in this country to destroy the country as a whole and to destroy everything America has stood for since its founding. Actually, that's a great segue into what I think, because I, I think that there are more and more people extremely alarmed after January, the non-insurrection of January 6th, after the events of January 6th, a lot of Americans who maybe really aren't that into politics, they know why there were people at the Capitol upset, because they were aware, and many people of allegations of election fraud, they watch that, and then they contrast that with what happened in all of 2020, where you have Black Lives Matter and Antifa burning down our cities, actually killing police officers, destroying businesses, many black-owned businesses, people they, should, they claim to be caring about and supporting, and you saw utter disinterest, utter, uh, just kind of turn my head the other way, I don't really see uh, oh, mostly peaceful protests. Mostly peaceful protests. Okay. If you want so, to talk about a mostly peaceful protest, that was what happened at the Capitol. It, it was voters who wanted their voices to be heard. Yeah, and, and I would their say, elected officials to, to realize how upset the country was about it. Did some people do some things that were really wrong? Yes, yeah, some did. So a, a small number did, and they, if they actually violated the law, they they engaged in violence. They should be prosecuted. But what we're looking now is these January 6th defendants, some of whom never entered the Capitol. Exactly, and some of whom peacefully entered the Capitol at the invitation of police officers yes. and or the FBI agents who were instigating and encouraging the entire thing. We're representing at Defending the Republic a number of January 6th defendants and enabling the representation of other January 6th defendants oh, on so top of to everything that. else we're doing. And we are absolutely appalled at the way the government is overcharging them, lying about the evidence against them, treating them in prison worse than Guantanamo detainees. They are living in abject squalor and filth, bug-infested, diseased, raw sewage conditions in the D.C. jail. And just today I read, I think it was in the Epoch Times, that 400 prisoners were transferred out of the D.C. jail, but they left all the January 6th prisoners there. They're being was, detained without bond. Yeah. They're, they're being absolutely brutalized. One guy was beaten until he was blind in one eye, zip-tied by the guards and beaten. 
and we can't even get them released on, on bail because the judiciary is so tied in with the whole government corruption mess that we've, we're dealing with. You know, Sydney, I have to say, if you had told any Americans two years ago the shutdown of America for COVID, the idea that people became submissive little sheep and were agreed to be told whether they could leave their home and whether they could go to church and whether they could uh, you know, stand within a certain distance of each other and forced to wear masks and forced to get a vaccine for a disease that has a 99-point-plus percent recovery Correct. rate for pretty much everybody, yep. you would have said that would never happen in America. What you're describing now, the January 6th thing, it sounds like something you would read if you're talking about a communist country, if you're talking about uh, you know, a third world dictatorship, and it's America. It's, I mean, this is, I, I do think- It was America. Yeah, but I, I do think this is what's helping. I don't know what went into all the thinking and the voters in Virginia, but I think the more voters are aware aware of actually what is going on these January 6th prisoners, as we say, some of whom didn't even enter the Capitol, some entered peacefully, and they're rotting in solitary confinement in horrific conditions. And in our newsletter Friday from defendingtherepublic.org, we published a letter by one of the prisoners who wrote that at great personal peril because they are further abused for any kind of speaking out. And, and Cindy, can I just say, you, you have been a lawyer with the Department of Justice. Wouldn't this seem to you, in your time you were there, wouldn't it seem to you something that any lawyer at the Department of Justice would stand up and say, we've got to stop this, we have to do something? I mean, what has happened to the whole Department of Justice? We witnessed a complete institutional failure in 2020 of each of our branches of government that was supposed to protect the rule of law and the people of this country, every one of them. The executive branch failed completely, the judicial branch failed completely, and the, and the legislative branch failed completely. Every one of them failed to protect the rule of law, failed to stand up for the republic. Even the Trump Justice Department told the U.S. attorneys all across the country to stand down and not prosecute any of this voter fraud. I'm saying, say that last part again. The Department of Justice under Trump told U.S. attorneys around the country not to prosecute voter fraud. Yes, they told them to stand down, to drop all the voter fraud cases. I mean, honestly, I, I don't mean to sound like a cupcake because, but I actually, I mean, my entire purpose in doing this show, I don't talk about the Dallas Cowboys. I don't talk about sports. I don't talk about anything except saving America. These things are integral to the idea of America. Yep. The, these whole ideas, the, the concept of a rule of law, a Department of Justice, a government that functions in accordance with the Constitution and just expected expectation of integrity. And, and we are just at a point where we, we really don't have a Department of Justice then, or not? No, we don't. We, we haven't really had one for a while. And, and what pretends to be the Department of Justice is breaking more laws itself than they're enforcing. What pretends to be the FBI is breaking more laws every day than they're enforcing. And they do it at will. It's the whole concept of the end justifies the means. And the end is to destroy America, to turn it into a communist third world country, which we're rapidly becoming with the influx over the border. And, and the very fact that they're making people in the military get a vaccine when you can come across the border with God only knows what diseases and be shipped all over the country at our expense. Not even tested. Not even, yeah. to, to infect anybody and everybody you want to infect is beyond absurd. It's criminal. Yeah. I do want to talk about COVID briefly. Um, 
And you know, I, we were talking about this before the show started. I've often said to our listeners, you know, if you, it's great to be involved. You should be involved. It's, and if you want to be involved at the school board level and fight CRT and fight this, you know, transgender lunacy where you let boys use the girls' room, if you want to pick your issue, it's great. But you've got to see whether it is CRT, 1619 Project, BLM, or it is abandoning the southern border, or it is pulling out of Afghanistan in a way that enabled a brutal, barbaric terrorist organization, Taliban, to become the government of the country, also helping the Chinese with access to all the, the minerals that are in Afghanistan. Every single one of those things are all bundled together, all part of this massive effort to bring down America. And I tell you, I say this in speeches, and I see the look on people's eyes are like, well, I'm not sure about that. I mean, they're bad policies. You've got to see the bigger picture. It's yep. not bad policy. And I know you made this point, so please yeah, address that if you would. Uh, definitely. I mean, all you have to do is look at the web of Soros organizations to see how well-funded and orchestrated they are and have been for a long time. And it's been a steady pace to, to destroy this country for at least two decades that I can trace it back to, and likely more than that. The rule of law depends on free and transparent elections. Federal statutes require that all election data and materials be kept for 22 months. That's supposed to be so we can easily go back and check the validity of an election. And instead, what we've been met with at every, in, every point of our inquiry is an abject stone wall by Dominion or Smartmatic or, or whoever in any county, anywhere, and why haven't the governors of the Republican states gone in and conducted real audits of random counties and precincts or whatever? They could do that very simply. Why hasn't that been done? Because enough of them benefit. That's gotta be the answer. Yep. You know, I love the citizen activism. I love the canvassing. People saying, we're not gonna wait for you to do this. We're gonna go. The canvassing that happened in Arizona, there was a huge canvassing project in Florida where they, they're basically knocking on the door, you know, hi, yep. uh, we have the data here from the state. It shows seven voters came from here, are these? And then the people say, no, actually, just one person. I'm the only one here. So they're able to find out people who voted from a residence they don't live at, and then they can make projections on how many people cast votes, or I don't know if they're even, there were people who cast votes. The machine the said machines, they cast votes. That's the, that's the ghost voters that were injected into the machines. And, and voted according to the algorithm the Democrats needed to take the 2020 election away from Trump. And yet you have, I, I, this is what I find honestly. And none of us have been able to get a, a good, fair, clean, real audit of everything to find out where the votes went. Because we know even from the patents that they went to other servers. And of course they couldn't get the routers, they couldn't get the servers in Arizona. So even though Arizona audit showed scads of problems and should have been decertified already, they couldn't get the key pieces they needed to determine whether the election was free and fair, which alone tells you it was not free well, or fair. That, I want to hit that last point and then turn to the, something you mentioned about an event you were putting together in January. But that last point, just like if, if Dominion or any company involved in elections if allegations were out there and believed by millions of Americans that somehow your machines were hackable, that somehow they were hacked, that adjustments were made, that votes were flipped within equipment you owned or were using, 
and you thought that was not true. You were very sure that your equipment was secure, and especially when there's widespread belief in it, the logical thing you would do would be to let people. Here. Yeah. Yeah, here you here. go. Look. So, and so in Maricopa County in Arizona, couldn't get them to do it. And, and, and the idea is like, I, I think of an, I run through analogies, I love analogies, I run through analogies all the time, but the idea that you can run those kind of things and everyone knows what's happened and you don't, you won't release information, you won't give access to the machines, you won't give access to your servers, and yet you are belligerent enough to file a lawsuit against Sidney Powell, you are at a level of arrogance that just says, I will never be caught. And that's what they think. Uh, and, and I mean, it, it should make the average American just say, you know what, we're done. You, I mean, I mean, I, I believe all the fraud that's out there, and, and it, it should cause them to be thrown out of court, at, laughed out of court. Exactly. Yeah, their cases should be dismissed for their failure to be transparent about what it is they're supposed to be doing. They're performing the most important single government function in the country. They are. And we don't have the president the people elected because of that entire operation who all was involved in it. And I think it includes globalist titans in addition to oh, yeah. Soros and the media titans and the social media titans. The, everybody, they, they got their whole team together to take this one. Okay. One last point, and we don't have a lot of time left, but um, I was telling you before he came on, you know, people are so upset about America. I, I mean, I get people writing emails to me as a host or when I give speeches just saying, I, I, I'm so upset about America, I can't even stand it. I can't, I, I can't believe I'm watching the dissolution of America right before my eyes. And people ask what they can do, and there are a lot of good answers. You know, run for school board, show up at your school board, run for this, do this. But I have heard, I, I mean, national security experts who've been on this show who normally are analyzing issues, well, you gotta change this policy, you gotta put this in place, and then you gotta fix this, and this is what you do. And they're good ideas, but I've heard more people, national security experts, people focus on election integrity, people focus on uh, even spending, recognizing that part of what's happened in America, we've lost our tethering to God. We've lost our tethering to truth. And so, once you lose that kind of anything goes i know you feel strongly about that too so i want to ask you just to talk about that yeah i do feel very strongly about that i mean this country was founded on judeo-christian principles and we have lost our way we have so far departed from truth and from god and from the ten commandments and the golden rule and the importance of morality and integrity in our government and our lives we are lost and until we return to God, bring God back to his rightful place in this country, we're gonna have a lot of problems and we don't have much time left. I mean, all, all the signs, I told somebody the other day, we're already over the cliff. We're on a, a rope with the threads wearing out and yeah. breaking and we're trying to climb back up right now. We don't have any more time to waste. Everybody needs to get active. Everybody needs to do serious soul searching about their own commitment to God and what they want in this country and for their lives and start taking a stand every way they possibly can. You know, one of the goals of, of Marxists, is, I'm sure you know this, you're a very great student of history, but 
among the things Marx, you know, Marx was saying was how you know we need to have government ownership of the means of production, and he just he he had an economic argument. But the other, he actually talked and wrote a great deal about we must destroy the people's sense of faith. I mean, there was an open, you can't have people believing in God, must destroy the family, the, the nuclear family, and you must destroy the, the, I think his word was individualism, but his idea was, you know, like in America, we're founded on the rights of the individual, rights from God, as the Declaration recites, because you were born, yes. not because you're, you know, wealthy God-given inalienable rights. Yeah, and, and these are antithetical to what Marx said. He said you can't have religion, you can't have family, you can't have a belief in individual rights, and this is where the American left is right now, taking our country, pushing exactly what Marx was pushing, driving God out of life, driving faith out of out of the public square. I mean, whether it's COVID shutting down churches, which was so absurd. Yes, that should it's never a Marxist have been agenda. allowed. Yeah. yeah, it's a total Marxist agenda. It's a total Marxist takeover of the United States of America. We are watching for our very eyes. Yes. We are. Okay, closing, I will let you quickly tell our listeners what they can do to support you, how they find you. Tell them again. Please go to defendingtherepublic.org and sign up for our newsletter on our website. There's also a page there of any number of things you can do that don't cost anything. We also, of course, need financial donations whenever possible. I need to hire six or eight more lawyers right now just to cover the cases that we have taken on, including the January 6th defendants, the COVID litigation on behalf of our military, some other cases that we have in the pipeline relating to the COVID mandates that we need to pursue. And of course, our lawsuit against Dominion now and our defense of cases against defending the Republic, me personally and my PC, uh, that are, have been brought by Dominion and Smartmatic that we intend to use to get information about them and to pursue the correct remedy in our courts. At some point, the Supreme Court is going to have to stand up and do the right thing and recognize the fraud that was in this election or it will have absolutely no institutional integrity left. We'll have no country left. We'll have no future elections. Uh, that was beautiful. Thank you very much. I was going to tell our listeners two quick things, three quick things, then we'll go to why it matters to you. Um, one is I heard Sydney interviewed in somebody's show, uh, and she was basically, it was a speech she made, I think, but she was said, I don't have the spirit of fear, because I think many people can listen to Sydney Powell and say, wow, she's right. It's irrefutable. Of course she's right. She's uncovered the truth. She's a brilliant lawyer. Everyone knew what she wrote about in License to Lie, about Enron was true. Brilliant lawyer, dedicated to truth. But there are so few left who will still continue to speak up. And a very legitimate question people have is, well, aren't you afraid? I mean, they're suing you for billions of dollars. I mean, aren't you afraid? And her great answer, you know, I, I don't have the spirit of fear, which obviously comes from the Bible. God hath not given me the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And if anybody you ever knew had the you know, spirit of, <laughs> didn't have a spirit of fear, but had power, love, and sound mind, Sydney Powell, I cannot encourage you strongly enough to support her. I also want to have you mention Mike Lindell a moment ago, and he is in the midst of, I'm not sure when it's going to happen, but assembling data to try to get a case. I believe he's attempting to go to original jurisdiction of the Supreme Court. I don't even know what he's trying to do. He's trying to get some court to actually look at the mounting evidence for actual election fraud, not just allegations, but the overwhelming evidence. I want to encourage you to support uh, Mike Lindell and his My Pillow group. I have a very quick, yeah, we like the blue ab. So, this is a guy, I met him recently in um, some meeting in Tulsa. Anyway, 
he was uh, talking about, you know, he, he's got that same, I don't have a spirit of fear. So he's been banned from stores, banned from, you know, the places you might like to shop, the big box stores, banned from Bed Bath & Beyond, and he has fabulous products. And so what he's doing, in fact, he sent a, a little note recently talking about this. He's basically saying, look, you know, they're trying to take me down. The left is trying to take him down. So he's got his MyPillow group. And so you can order products on MyPillow.com, MyPillow.com. You're ordering from him, allowing him to keep his private company going. At the bottom, you see promo code Debbie G. That's me, Debbie Georgiatis. You can go to MyPillow. You can pick a bunch of products. Hit the promo code DebbieG. You get up to 66% off on everything you buy. I will never recommend anything I haven't tried myself. Uh, right now, they're really pushing the pillows, which I will say we have all my pillow pillows at our house. Um, and so, I, and I, I'm telling you, they truly are wonderful. Right now, they just have this amazing sale. They're talking about the standard pillows are like $69.98. They're now $19.98. The queen size usually $79.98, now $29, I can't read my own writing, $24.98, I think. Point is, the pillows are a great deal, and they're a great first product to try, because everyone needs a pillow, and honestly, everyone should change out their pillows every few years, because they get kind of old. Get a, Try some my pillows. you'll be amazed by the quality, by the service, and go to MyPillow.com and, and plug in Debbie G. Ultimately, you're supporting my show, you're supporting uh, my pillow and Mike Lindell, you're getting great product yourself at a great price, and you're also helping to push back against this astonishing Marxist massive attempt to destroy anyone who dares speak up against what they've been doing. So I want to encourage you to go to my pillow, and at the close of every show, I tell you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. I never prepare a slide for what my guests will say because I have no idea what they'll say, but I do want to talk about the Virginia and the long march back to America. The Yonkin victory is a huge rebuke of radical leftism and the Biden cabal, making parents into domestic terrorists turned all parents against McAuliffe. Americans do not want the leftist agenda once they see what it is. It's so important to understand that. Leftist agenda sold as everything can be free and happy. And once people realize the tyranny they bring, people don't want it anymore. Yonkin victory does not vitiate concerns over past or future election fraud. A steal appeared to be in the works in Virginia, but the anti-leftist turnout in Virginia was simply too strong to overcome. The anti-American left's long march to American institutions occurred over decades. It will not be reversed overnight. And the battleground is everywhere. And election integrity laws are needed. Public schools and colleges must drop anti-American teaching. Corporate Americans need to stick to business and stay out of politics. Free speech must be restored. Cancel culture needs to be canceled. The border, the idea of citizenship must be restored. Marxism must be removed from the military. Government at every level needs to be reined in. The FBI, DOJ must be cleaned out. Swamp must be drained. The Virginia victory is of major importance, but it's just one battle in the fight to restore America. All hands on deck needed to save America. And I hardly ever do this, but since Sydney's hitting right here, and I thought one thing I wanted to ask her. So, if we somehow got Donald Trump in office again in 2024, and he said, Sydney Powell, I want you to run the uh, Department of Justice, would you take the job? <laughs> <laughs> it's a good question. Oh, yeah. Well, in, first, in the first place, he needs to be president right now because he was elected. They never should have yes, been he was. forced out of the White House. 
2024, we've got to get paper ballots for him to have a snowball's chance and, you know, where of getting elected again or anybody else we want elected at the national level. We've got to have paper ballots and everybody needs to be bird dogging their county commissioners and pay attention to the Secretary of State's races and all of that because that's what Soros has been focusing on and he's been very successful in undermining it all. So how can we get, I mean, the only way Trump gets back in now, he did win, but the only way to get him back in, it's got to be the Supreme Court, right? Yes, it does. And like I said, if it doesn't do the right thing here, the American people know it and they'll lose, compl <clears throat> excuse me, lose complete respect for our judicial system. We're almost at that point now if we're not. I think to regain any credibility, the Supreme Court has to r recognize the fraud that occurred in this election. They absolutely do. Sydney Paul, thank you for joining me in studio. Thank you. Always fun. And my very fine friends, thank you so much for tuning in to America Can We Talk every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. Can America Can We Talk? Truth about America.